appreciate so much that message. Didn't you appreciate that message in song tonight? Thank you so much, the team, for delivering that, that message. And you know what? Jesus still saves. He still saves people. Well, howdy do, Brian Y'all doing all right tonight? It is good to be with you all tonight. And I'll tell you, I'm glad to be here. Look at your neighbor, if you would, tonight. Look at your neighbor. Look at him. And repeat after me. Say, I am so glad you are here. Very good. Now, if you would, look at another neighbor. Look at another neighbor tonight. And repeat after me. Say, I am so glad that I don't look like you. Well, you know what? Every now and then, it's okay to smile. Did you know that? It was so nice to, to be able to fellowship with you folks before the service tonight. And I was just... Uh, I had a chance to, to sit at the table telling good stories and people laughing and seeing folks laughing. You know what? We need some smiles after the last year we did. We need some encouragement. We need some joy after what we've been through. And uh, Brother Brad is, is, is absolutely right. I like to smile. I like to have fun. I can be serious when I need to be serious, and I, and I am serious when I need to be serious. But I want to tell you something. The good Lord likes it when we rejoice and we smile. He likes it. The Lord wants us to rejoice. And actually, if you were to look in Philippians chapter 4, he tells us to rejoice in the Lord always is what Paul said. And I'll say it again. Rejoice is what he said. So we need to learn how to rejoice. Now, I know y'all are turning to Philippians 4 because that's what I just said. But I want you actually to go tonight to Luke chapter 15. I saw everybody getting their Bibles out. And I said, oh, I better tell them the right passage tonight. That's Luke 15 is where I'm going tonight, Luke 15. Um, we need some joy. We need to smile a little bit. It's been a tough year. You know, nothing makes me smile more than when I find something that I've lost. Um, it was a few years ago that um, I, I lost some weight. Unfortunately, I found that weight. Um, I found it again. But I lost some weight. And uh, went on a diet, lost the weight, and I woke up one day, and I couldn't find my wedding band. And I had been mowing the yard, so I thought, oh, my goodness, I, I never take my wedding band off. I said, I have, I have, that thing has slipped off of my fingers, and I, I couldn't find it. And I went home, my wife was out there helping me with a brand. We were going through that whole yard. Worst case scenario was going through my mind, and it fell off, and my mower hit it, flung it somewhere. That was the worst scenario. I went two months without finding that wedding band. It, 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 it felt weird. It was awful. And then one day, I was playing with my, my daughter, Hope. She's my second daughter. And, and we had tore everything apart. I mean, we tore the house apart. We had tore the yard apart. I even had a guy from my church that had a metal detector. And I went in my backyard with a metal detector trying to find this. I found an old dog chain that was buried in the yard. But I never found my ring. And I was in there playing with my little girl in my bedroom. And she just looked over and said, hey, Dad, there's your ring. And it was in plain sight. But I couldn't see it. My wife couldn't see it. It was right there in the corner of the floor. It fell off my finger and rolled off right up in the space. And we had tore that house apart looking for that. But it took, at the time, my five-year-old little girl to find that lost wedding ring. And needless to say, she got whatever she wanted to eat that night. 
we blessed her socks off. We were happy about that. But it took a special person, in that case it was my daughter, Hope, that was her name, Hope, to find my lost wedding day. I'm going to tell you something. If you want joy and you want to smile, you need to find the lost. You need to find those that are lost and without flock and bring them to Jesus. And there will be joy. There will be great joy. And tonight, you may be here and you've been through a rough year, but it just hasn't been COVID. It's been mountains of other stuff. It could be financial problems, marriage problems, work problems, spiritual problems. You've been through a lot. Be honest, you've been looking for joy and happiness in a lot of different places. And you've not been able to find it. And what you're wanting to know tonight is how can you have joy in your life? Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and say, Give me joy. How do we get this joy? I want to show you a passage of scripture tonight that shows us a reason, that gives us a reason to have some joy. It gives us a reason to have a smile on our face. It gives us a reason to have some giddy up and go in our city. It's some good news. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1. We just stand to honor God's holy, inerrant, infallible word tonight. We're going to learn a little bit about Jesus tonight. Luke 15, starting in verse 1. Then drew near to him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man among you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he finds it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, what dirt, Rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his, his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, What, church? Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise yours shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which needeth which need no Father, we thank you for the word. I ask, God, that your glory would fill the truth enough and that you would make yourself known. Father, I pray that the person that is lacking the joy of Jesus in their heart, that they will discover you tonight, that you will find them tonight and save them. And God, and I pray that joy would fill this house tonight. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people pray together. Jesus is teaching and he's preaching. And so oftentimes in the Bible, Jesus is, is sitting with those he ain't supposed to sit with. You know that, right? Um, he, many times he ate with the sinners. He ate with the tax collectors. He knows the people that, that ripped others off and did awful stuff. I mean, to be honest, a lot of the crowd that Jesus kept in his ministry, they weren't Southern Baptist potluck crowds. 
Y'all with me on that? He did this a lot. A lot. All you got to do is read the Gospels and you'll see it. And, and you know what happened? The same, the same thing that would happen today if we did some of this. The church folks come out. And the church folk begins to condemn Jesus. Right there the How in the world did he eat people like that? I know that. They are sinners. Now you just fill in the blank what sinners. Fill in the blank in your mind. The sinners. You got a picture, don't you? You got a picture. That's what he was saying. Not only was he sitting with them, he was what? Don't miss that. In that culture to share a meal with somebody was a very intimate thing. Because, you know, y'all seen the pictures of the Last Supper table. You know, everybody's just a long table. Everybody's sitting on one side. First off, who sits just on one side of the table? Nobody does that. And by the way, in that culture, they didn't have those big, long tables. That was an invention of Leonardo da Vinci who did that. Those, in that culture, they were low. They were around. They were low. And they didn't have chairs that they sat in. You know what they did? They laid down. They did Real close. So when you shared a meal with somebody, you were real personal. There was no social distancing in the ancient world. You were real close to somebody. Remember when it says over in the book of John, the disciple that laid his head on the chest of Jesus at the dinner table? You know why now, right? Because he was sitting next to Jesus. So they were that close. And this is the environment that Jesus is in. with these sinners filling the And those church folks show up. Brad and we need to have a visit so Jesus being the master teacher the God man who could perceive their thoughts and know their hearts he gives them a parable now you know what a parable is that is, a, that is an earthly story with a what a heavenly meaning it is a, it is a, it is a metaphor so to speak it, it's a story inside of a story it's a story with a point right and jesus speaks to these pharisees he says guys let me tell you a story if one of you all have a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off won't you leave the 99 behind to go find the one that wandered off and then when you find the one that wandered off, won't you pick that renegade rogue sheep up, put it around your neck, and be as happy as a lark that you found And won't you go back home with a big smile on your face telling everybody, Church folk, the religious folk, the condemning Jesus, they were the biggest sinners at the table. You know? They were the biggest 
everyone's going to be more rejoicing over these sinners that have been saved over you all that won't be saved. That's what he's saying. That you all will never repent. You're not going to do it. If there's a surefire way to bring joy in your church, a surefire way to, to bring joy in your life, are you ready? Get people saved. If you today are lacking joy, I'm going to give you some reasons to have some hope in your life, some excitement in your life. I'm going to give you tonight a reason to smile. It all has to do with our, our Lord Jesus Christ and Him wanting to save lost I want you to see three things from this text. Number one, you, you got a reason to rejoice tonight because Christ chases the lost. Christ chases the lost. Look at verse 4. What man among you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? He says this guy is going to leave those other sheep, and he's going to go out on a hunt. He's going to go out for a search, and he's going to look and look and look and look until he finds that one that is lost. What does it mean to be lost? You know, we say that a lot. We want lost people to be saved. We want to reach the lost. But what does it mean to be lost? Well, just think of the sheep, right? Just think of these sheep. They are with the shepherd. They are together. But they have wandered away, have they not? They have left the family and they're alone outside by themselves without guidance without protection and they don't know where to go oh I think the lost sheep is the perfect way to describe somebody about you I really do they have wandered from God's commandments they have disobeyed God's laws disobeyed God's rules they have, they have stepped away from God they have been rebellious against God and as a result of that, they are in spiritual darkness. They don't know the left from the right. They're, they're blind spiritually. And they have no sense of direction. That's what it means to be lost. Right? Wives, any of your husbands ever been lost? Because I know they're not going to admit to it. Am I right? You don't know where you're at. Lost people that are outside of the will of God, they have wandered away from the will of God. They don't have a sense of direction. They don't know who they are. They are outside of what God has. If you're a born-again believer, think back to what it was before you gave your life to Jesus. Do you remember how confused you were? Remember how hopeless you felt? How lonely you felt? Out of curiosity, you might remember those days in your own life lost but praise the Lord that the shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes out in that wilderness and he searches and he looks he goes on a field trip he goes for a hunt he's going to try to find that lost one because he knows that if that lost one is not 
found, they will die in the wilderness and be eternally separated from the family. What happens if a person dies in a state of their sin and their loss? They will spend an eternity, an eternity, with no hope outside of the presence of God. Eternally separated from God. In an awful place. That is prepared for the devil and the world. And that's what happens to those that aren't Praise the Lord Jesus goes in the hunt. Just listen to these verses. Just listen. This is the heart of God. Listen to the heart of God. Ezekiel 18, 23, God says, Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? Instead, don't I take pleasure in his turns and his ways and live? God doesn't want the, the wicked to die and go to hell. He wants them to be saved. He wants to rescue them. Listen to 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord does not delay His promise as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. The heart of God is that He wants His lost sheep brought back. He wants them saved. He wants to chase them down and love them. Well, how does He do that? Well, you know, this means helps us understand that. God sends missionaries. All over. He sends preachers. He sends witnesses like you. Go out of sin. But tonight, if you are outside of the fold of God and you are have no joy in your life and you are lost and you are separated from God, let me tell you the best way that the Lord is going to chase you down is through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the conviction very much anymore. The Apostle Paul was clear that the Spirit or Jesus is clear that the Spirit draws people to him. Jesus is clear about that. Tonight, if you begin to feel the, the weight of your sin, and you begin to feel the loneliness of being away from God, and you're feeling that urge and that pull, let me tell you real quick what that is. That is the Spirit of God working on your heart tonight. He is chasing after you because he loves you. And he doesn't want you to be lost. So if there's a reason to smile tonight, praise God, he chases after us. Anybody glad tonight that the Lord chased after you when you were lost? That he came after you when you were lost and deserved to die in the wilderness. Not only is there a reason to rejoice that Jesus chases the lost, but here's another one. We need to rejoice tonight because Christ will carry the lost. Not only will he chase the lost, he'll carry the lost. Now look here, verse 5, when he finds it, he what? Joyfully puts it on his shoulders. That shepherd, he goes out there, he finds that sheep, and he just doesn't just say, now little sheep, you went the wrong way, now let's go back home. I'm, I'm going to give you a little nudge, and you got this. But he doesn't say, let me just drop some breadcrumbs, and he you do your best to make it back home. I'm going to stand here directing you. This way, please. Come on home, please. What can you do? He picks the sheep up. He puts the sheep on his shoulder. Friends, can I tell you something? 
those of us tonight that think that our church membership saves us, or our baptism saves us, or our good deeds save us, is missing the entire application of this text. You cannot save yourself. You must literally understand your hopelessness and your helplessness. You must allow Jesus to pick you up. Anybody thankful tonight? not saved because of our work for Jesus, but because of Jesus. I put a smile on your face, right? Because he loves it. He's bearing the weight. He's got it all on his shoulders. And by the way, not only does he just carry you, he carries something for you so you can be saved. You just look back at that day when he had that, that awful night, that awful mock trial, and you look back when, when he stood before Pontius Pilate and they whipped him, and then you look back when they put that cross on he didn't carry a, a physical lamb. He was the lamb carrying the, your sin. He bore that heavy cross on his shoulders, and he carried that cross to Galilee. He bore it, and nailed it to whip him, beat him wide for your sin. Paul tells us that he that knew no sin, he knew no sin. He came sin for us, so why? Notice what happens in verse 6. Look. And when he cometh home, he, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, What? Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. He, he, he takes that sheep home and he calls the neighbors and he calls the friends and he says, Hey, you know that one that got away? Likewise, joy shall be in heaven 
over one sinner that repented more than over 99 just persons which needed no repentance. I told you at the beginning, everybody needs to repent. This is a way he was taking a step at the Pharisees. He thought they didn't need to repent. But what Jesus was telling them that every time a person turns from their sin and they trust in Christ, and Christ saves them and Christ rescues them, there is great joy. And Jesus even says that there will be joy in heaven over this one that repents. Joy in heaven. Some translations say joy in the presence of the angels. Some translations say that. You know, I, I think sometimes we've misinterpreted this verse. Um, I grew up always hearing that this verse meant that if somebody got saved, then the angels were good. Have you ever heard that before? That the angels threw a party in heaven? And they might. Brad, they might. I don't know. They might. But it doesn't say that the angels were good. Some translations say in the presence of angels or in heaven. What most scholars believe that when Jesus saves somebody and rescues somebody and they are born again, that he makes a declaration in heaven. And those that are rejoicing in heaven, they might be the angels. I'm not saying they're not. But more than likely, do you know who it is that's rejoicing in heaven? It's like Hebrews 12, the great cloud of witnesses. That's who it is. Can I tell you who it is? It's the born-again Christians that have already went to glory. They hear that somebody else gets saved and they have a party. You know who's rejoicing when somebody gets saved? The saved that are already in they're celebrating and praising God. They're saying, hey, praise the Lord. Jesus just saved somebody else. He just saved and rescued somebody else. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't like to smile in church, and if you don't like to have a good time in church, heaven may not be the place to be. You get that, right? It may not be the place for you. All right? We ain't baptized in pickle juice, church. We're not. Jesus brings joy when people get saved. You know, I, my oldest daughter, I, I shared with you all that uh, we just re shared with many of you all, we just recently uh, got out of three weeks at Coastal Children's Hospital. My daughter has scoliosis. Still does, I technically, but they, they did this final season, three surgeries. It was a, a big process. Yeah, all kinds of people praying for us. The Lord just took care of us. He's doing great. Joke with some people, Brad, that uh, somebody said, you got a haircut? I said, yeah, I did, because all last week when we got home, there was no time to get a haircut, so I had to go get one today. You guys got wild and wooly pinning yesterday. Post-hospital pinning is what you got. But our daughter, Gracie, our daughter, Gracie, um, we found out we were having her um, the same year that my grandfather passed away. He was in the main with his pastor. Great influence in my life. He never got to see my daughter Never she passed away while my wife was expecting my oldest daughter Gracie. But just a couple of years ago, Gracie went to a Bible school. She heard a good news of Jesus. She'd already been asking questions, Brad, but for whatever reason, she had to leave our church and go to another one to understand it, okay? I don't know. That's how it works, right? Yeah, she had to leave our church and go to another one to comprehend the gospel, but that's what happened. And um, she came home. She gave her life. And even though my grandfather never got to see 
sermon on the way over tonight and the preacher said you know you may not remember the exact day and time and year but if you've met Jesus you remember when he, when he met you you remember when he came to your life you remember when he saved you remember when he came in but tonight you can go back to that moment that day that night and fight save you can you just raise your hand tonight as a testimony to God it's not for me, it's not for Brad, this is for the Lord. And you just praise God, okay? You're going to say this every service. But just thank Jesus right now. Okay. One of the great things about revival is reflecting back on when you say this, getting us fired up and renewed. So you just take a little bit of time to praise God. Maybe you were that lost sheep and God saved you, and you just want to come tonight and just praise the Lord of the altar. Not everybody tonight can raise their hand. They've not been found by Christ. They've not in their life. 
are lacking the joy of Jesus. Oh, how he loves you. You just need to hear that tonight. Jesus loves you. We don't say it enough, but he loves you. He absolutely loves you. Maybe tonight you say, I'm ready. I, I know I'm a sinner. I believe he died for me. I want to give my life to him to live for him. I want to. So, again, not magic words, I hope it's so. Someone the church.